happening, Daph? Would you like the bad news or the really bad news? Ah! What's this good A big hello to all you mystery solvers out there, and welcome to Heavy Metal. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and this is a Scooby-Doo podcast. Each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. My guest this week is William Taylor, better known to all of the different factions of film Twitter as The Narrator, and the episode that we are discussing this week is... What's New Scooby-Doo, Season 1, Episode 12, Toy Scary Boo. Narrator, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. So usually I start out by asking uh, my guests, you know, why they picked the episode that they did. Um, But, you know, whenever I reached out to you about coming on the show, you said you wanted to, you would do anything. So we just let this up to a complete random number generator and this is how this is what we landed on uh yes i truly just did not care i have no i mean i assume we'll get into this i have no real like nostalgic connection to any particular scooby-doo episode so as far as i'm concerned it's all the same did you watch any cartoons as a kid or were you uh, it, just uh watching you know vh1 or whatever you said you would do <laughs> I was, I did watch a lot of cartoons as a child. I just generally find that I don't have, I watch them, but I don't have any nostalgia for them or even really remember them that much. So it's just like it went in one ear and out the other, basically. Yeah. 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 So Scooby Doo would fall into that had you, you probably had seen a few episodes before this. Yes. Mostly, if not entirely, from this specific show this incarnation of scooby-doo i mean i i found that i at the very least did remember the simple plan theme song of course maybe not, of course. Maybe not word for word but you know i got the gist yeah 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 perfect perfect um did you what did you what did you think going through it like what while watching it this time like what was your experience like um that's a good question uh Obviously, like I said, it's not really a nostalgia thing, so it wasn't hitting those buttons. Yeah. Um, so I was just mostly trying to take it on its own merits. And what right. those merits for a Scooby-Doo episode are is maybe its own discussion. Because, I mean, like, it does its job fairly well, like, yeah. as we'll get into. It's like, it's I'd say it's a perfectly competent Scooby-Doo episode, like, all the boxes are checked. Scooby and Shaggy, they're hungry. There's a mystery that's solved. And, you know, that's that's all you need, basically. Everything else is just gravy, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, this is the second time we've done What's New Scooby-Doo, and for, like, people our, in, you know, in our age range, it is a very, uh, it, it is, this is the one that we watched when we were kids, right? Like, this was... This was the big comeback for Scooby-Doo. 
It brought him into the 21st century and is looked back very fondly by people like me who watched it, you know, religiously as a child. Um, but, you know, if you look, if you look at it from, uh, like, like from the outside looking in, it's, it's not that special, really. It's just like another episode of this, uh, another show that fits into this formula that they've been doing for 50 years, you know, like, it's just, it's just another, another Scooby-Doo, but it's, it's, it's still good Scooby-Doo, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, to your point about, like this generation, this being this generation's Scooby Doo show. Do you think that it's this or the Scooby Doo movies that are like more so entrenched in people? Oh, like, I mean, the, the Scooby Doo movies are uh, definitely, I think, responsible for um, Scooby Doo's sort of uh, legacy as as being sort of. Not above itself, but like aware of what it is and what it, uh, how it fits into, you know, the culture and, and like, you know, how the formula works and everything and like making it, it kind of cool and fun again. You know what I mean? Like, as opposed to just being like the, just like being, the Jetsons or something, you know, yeah, like, just, just, just being like the same kind of dopey Hanna Barbera. There's like one drawing per episode that exactly. they just reuse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely that 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 those those two movies definitely breathed uh, a lot of life in and have given it given Scooby Doo a legacy that will uh, that that will continue for a long time for as long as you know people our age and a little older remember loving those movies as a kid. Um, for- and for as long as Matthew Lillard has a Twitter account that people can tweet at. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, hey, if if you were him, would you not be replying to all those people tweeting at you? You know, like I, I, I'm just I'd just be happy to be liked and I'd just be happy to be on David Lynch shows. So, you know, exactly. he's living he's living the dream as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Um, dude, so this episode, Toy Scary Boo. <laughs> which happens to be like the most insane pun ever in my opinion like it's just i yeah if 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 you had still like not given me like a random number generator i probably would have chosen this one out of this show just because of the title yeah it's insane it's so ridiculous yes yeah it's yeah i mean but you know it's not it's not not applicable because it does take a lot of imagery from Toy Story 2. Um, yes, you know. yes, specifically 2 and yes. like the Toy Store setting. Yes. I mean, like the shot, the first shot practically is maybe a direct ripoff of like the scene in Toy Story 2 when Buzz is trapped in the packaging and has well, it would to. Be ni- it would be nicer to call it an homage than a ripoff, you know. It it would be, but I won't. So, <laughs> were you a a Toy Story? Yes, kid? To- yes. Pixar is the one childhood staple of mine that I do look back on fondly. That I like. Yeah. I remember those movies. I like those movies for the most part. You know, I revisit some of the movies. Like, yeah, I I was. If I was anything like any cartoon kid as a child, it was definitely a Pixar kid, not not even yeah, a Disney yeah. kid. Yeah, I think that's more common for 
people who were adolescent in the 2000s, you know, because, like, that's when, when uh, Disney was kind of, uh, you know, flailing a bit and Pixar was taking its place. Um, yeah. I, when I, I was a, yeah, when I was a kid, my two were Finding Nemo and The Incredibles. Those were the ones that I, like, loved and watched on DVD all the time. Um, yeah. As an, as an adult, I've come around to the toy stories more than I did when I was a kid and really admire them. Um, interesting. Interesting. Cause the toy stories, those were the big ones for me as a kid. I yeah. liked them all pretty much like finding Nemo was big. Incredibles was big though. I think I almost like the Incredibles more now than I did at the time, but yeah, yeah toy story two, especially like I watched that all the time. It's practically burned in my brain. I haven't seen it in like a decade since they did the 3D re-release, but very fresh still. For whatever reason, I didn't love Toy Story 2 when I was a kid. I always preferred the first and the third. Um, going back on it, I still think that first Toy Story is like a perfect, uh, perfect script and a perfect uh, piece of like visual storytelling. Um, but I do really like the second one now. Like I think it's better than you know the third and the fourth one by a lot. But um, the third and fourth ones are good too, though. You know, it's just it's a, it's a it's it's got a very high batting average for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's like maybe not batting a hundred, but like you know, close enough. Yeah, yeah. Did you okay. have what about like toys? Did you have like like favorite toys when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I more so had stuffed animals than I had toys. Yeah, like I don't remember like. Maybe this is a trans woman thing more than a like child thing, but I don't remember having like action figures or yeah. like any of the toys really featured in this episode. Yeah, I mean, like I, I uh, had, I had a lot of action figures and toys and things, but I would always be more likely to be playing video games or watching you know cartoons or movies or whatever than I would be to you know spend hours in my room playing with my action figures like Andy does or whatever. Like that just was. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So I was not, I was not an Andy as a child. It was just, it it definitely was more so watching movies and TV. Like just then having the wherewithal to come up with my own stories and create them with toys. Yeah. it, It makes sense. You know, that's why we're, we're, we have these poison brains that we do and we're, you know, addicted to letterboxed and things like that. This is, this is why I'm on Twitter 24 seven talking about John sales movies to nobody. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one last toy related thing I want to ask you about before we get into this episode is a movie. I happened to watch this afternoon. Um, what are your thoughts on Barry Levinson's toys? Because oh. I know that you are, uh, you have done quite a lot of um, digging into Barry Levinson's filmography. Yes, I have. Toys. Okay, so in 2018, I watched Avalon, the Barry Levinson <laughs> movie, which is like one of the greatest movies ever made. Anybody listening to this episode who has not seen Avalon needs to see Avalon. It's just that good. And th- then after that, I watched Toys. Wondering if that would also be like a secret masterpiece. It's it's not. But it, it is not. No. <laughs> I would still put it like relatively high for like Barry Levinson failures because it fails in such grandiose fashion, and there's stuff yeah. in it that's 
not only really interesting, but like occasionally really funny and really like potent yeah. as satire. But sometimes it's just like Robin Williams going, duh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very odd movie tonally because it aspires to be a dark war satire, but it's also giving the reins to Robin Williams just doing nonsense. Yeah, yeah, and all the actors are directed to be like in different movies, so it's very bizarre. But obviously, yeah, yeah. an amazing-looking movie. Oh, Just, for sure, the the production design is is unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, I I personally would re- like you say they're all in different movies. I want to watch the one that Joan Cusack is in, of course, because she's you know she's good in everything. She always understands the assignment. Yes, oh, yes. <laughs> and or the movie that Michael Gambon is in because that is a, a very very bizarre fascinating angle of that movie. Well, <laughs> I I think my personal toys movie of that cast is LL Cool J. I think he is the yeah. one who really like locks into like what kind of silliness and what kind it's of like, semi serious military angle there needs to be. And he yeah. gets to he gets to talk about like he doesn't want his food to touch, which is very funny. Which yeah. is like the the best joke in that movie. So yeah, I think that you or I could just uh, could <laughs> either way agree that uh, Robin Williams is the problem. Like that's the review. No, yeah, much. <laughs> I mean, I already have problems with Robin Williams' shtick. I don't yes, think yes, I yes. don't think Good Morning Vietnam, another Barry Levinson classic, is very good at all. Mostly because it's just Robin Williams just motor mouthing. Yeah. And that that has been soiled by so many bad movies where he does that that I cannot even watch the good ones and think, yeah. oh, wow, this is funny. It's just the same. He does the same thing every time, and it really yeah. does dilute it. I like, I like Robin Williams when he is in mellowed out mode, you know? Like, I like Good Will Hunting. I, I mean, I love Good Will Hunting. I like Dead Poets Society, with the exception of Aladdin, most of the, the kind of... The big, uh, the big Robin performances I find very obnoxious. Yeah, I I don't even really like Goodwill Hunting, but he is good in that. He's very yeah, good in that. Yeah, he's good. Goodwill Hunting in that, if you will. There you go. There you go. Um, okay. Well, we, you know, we might as well get into the episode then. Um, this uh, something I like to do, narrator, is I will. Um, I like to start out the discussion of the plot by um, by putting us into a, a space and time when the episode came out. Because, like, you know, every week we jump back and forth from d- different Scooby-Doo series, so, like, it's it's important to know where we are in the world whenever this episode came out, right? So this episode is, as we said, the 11th episode of the first season of What's the Scooby-Doo? And it premiered February 1st, 2003. And I've got some uh, headlines of things that were going on in February of 2003. So, an estimated 11 million people take to the streets worldwide in a coordinated protest against the war in Iraq. Which uh, really worked out for all of them. Um, Yeah, and I think that that reflects very... that, that is reflected in the episode. I, think I, you can I agree. Find... I agree. Um, you could even say that, you know, the scene where the, uh, they, um, the, the yes. soldier toys all get, uh, get 
get flooded what? and disintegrated by Daphne is is a, a potent commentary on this exact situation. Yeah, not since Vim Vendors' Land of Plenty has there been such a, a poignant reflection of where America was during the time of the Iraq War. Uh, but yeah. continue. Yeah. The war in Darfur also began in February, um, and I think that that is um, represented by the, uh, the, the Barbie doll sequence, probably. It, yeah, I, I'll, I believe you. And then finally... Uh, Real Time with Bill Maher premieres on HBO. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Just a little bit of levity for you. you, know, you know I, mean, or, I mean, we needed to laugh in these troubled times, and I think Bill Maher, you know, he yes. opened the gates for, yes. like, those damn liberals and damn conservatives. <laughs> what are they doing? And he's still making us laugh to this day. Oh, yeah, he's still making specifically my grandmother and only my grandmother laugh. Um, so yeah, now we're going to get into the actual episode. And as you say, like the opening shot is we're in this, uh, this, this mall at nighttime and we're in this toy store and there are these rows and rows of shelves stocked fully with this, this, this hot new toy called Spaceman Swinton, which is an interesting name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's obviously too early to be a Tilda Swinton homage. Yes. yes. It's, uh, and the, the toy is black, so it is probably not a Tilda Swinton homage. Yeah, probably but, not. Yeah, but it's a very interesting choice of name. Kind of out of left field from what you would expect Scooby-Doo names to be. Like, yeah. you'd expect, like, Spaceman Sam... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's a like that's been used dozens of times. Yeah, but Spaceman Swinton is just like you know the writers—they're showing off already. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, and, uh, uh, one thing before we continue, before right? I think literally the first shot of the episode is an establishing shot of the outside of the mall, yes. and one of one of the stores listed is the WAP, spelled yes, like the I song. Also saw that. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to contribute. I just want to note. That. I, I think it is intended to be a pun on the gap, and it is not a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I did not even piece that together until you mentioned that. I just just assumed that they knew what was coming in this, the seventeen years that would come. Yeah, yeah, could be. You know, maybe maybe you know Cardi B was was watching uh, what's new Scooby Doo, like you know a couple years ago, and was like, this is it. This is what this is what we're doing. <laughs> this this is um, yeah, this is the future. I've seen the exactly. future, and it is what's new Scooby Doo. <laughs> um, but but what happens with these spaceman Swintons is that they all suddenly come to life and break out of their their packaging. And what do they choose to do? They choose to trash a like Sears. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They, they don't. With, they. It's just a department store, they say, that is yeah, destroyed. Yeah. They also, like, there's a one gender who's like, ooh, ooh. So I assume that they kill him because we Yeah, don't we don't see, see him again. again. We don't see him yeah, again. So, so they, I mean, they must without, have flayed him alive or something. They just, like, they killed him. They just ate his flesh. But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. Uh, the title of the episode, I don't find this episode very scary. So I'm going to assume that the murder, the off-screen murder of this janitor is what entails it being a toy scary yes that's yes. that's just that's just a fan theory 
I have I, I got to get confirmation. If any writers for What's New Scooby Doo are listening to this episode, oh, they please are. please at me on Twitter with the official details of what happened to this poor man. Yeah. And and yeah. So um, we, we want... I, I I do believe that he was killed because like as we'll see later on in this episode, these these toys mean business, you know? Like yes. they're not they're not just you know this is I mean, this is not your granddaddy Scooby Doo. This is not some dude in a zombie mask just lurking around not doing anything. They in, they intend to cause bodily harm to these I mean, Yes, people. We will discuss one thing that happens with them later, but it is kind of fucked up that that thing yeah. happens in a Scooby Doo episode. Yes, even yes. If, even if the solution is just more cartoon silliness, it's I just like that, wow. Yeah, I think that the they get away with it because, like, in theory, toys don't pose as much of a threat as like a giant werewolf would or something like that. Like maybe the uh, the the NPAA saw, or whatever the TV people are, they saw it this episode and they were like, oh, this is just fun hijinks, right? <laughs> like they didn't, yeah. they didn't take the time to consider the existential terror present. In Toy Not Story even existential, movie. just like physical, like fully. Yes, you're right, phys- actually. Like, yeah. yeah. Like these people on screen will die if not for actions that we will explain later. Yes. But, uh, you, well, you know, speaking of existential terror, I'll tell you what is the most terrifying thing imaginable is in Toy Story 2 when Jesse is left beneath the bed for like eight years or whatever and has no choice but to just lay there and wait, you know, for her yes. child to play with her. That is the saddest, most frightening existence I can imagine. Like, just absolute torture. Absolutely, and and it's yet it's not enough for these evil toys who deserve more than exactly. what she gets. Yeah, she, yeah. You're right. Fuck, You're right. I I, I want to go on the record. Fuck these toys. They yeah. suck. I know yeah. that. I, well, we'll explain the solution to the mystery later. But they, it, there's no excuse. They're just they're they, just they're demons. They don't even look that fun to play with. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, what what is Spaceman Swinton's features that makes him so such a hot commodity toy? Obviously, yeah, he, he doesn't talk. He doesn't have the uh, the like wings that Buzz Lightyear has. He's just like a yeah, dude in have, an astronaut costume. And, yeah, and did okay. Continue with the plot, then I'll say what I want to say. Well, as I, as you've alluded, um, you know, Spaceman Swinton is the hot toy of this holiday season, and. Uh, and Velma has dragged her friends along with her to the mall to pick one up because her little cousin really, really wants one. And, you know, this is 2003, so this is back when you had to go to a physical store and purchase a gift for your little cousin. Um, yeah, back, back, back when there were toys or us's to, like, yes. satirize in a children's cartoon as opposed to, like, empty lots. Exactly. When was the last time you personally went to the mall to buy a gift for somebody i mean i might have gotten like department store gift cards at a mall so but i have never bought a toy or like a an, a physical item other than a gift yeah. card at a mall probably the last time i can think i've done this i was in the fifth grade i went with my family my mom and my sister to the the mall. We were getting Christmas gifts. I saw a tie 
that I wanted to get my dad that had had a uh, had the nativity scene on it like it was a it was a gaudy tie like like displaying the nativity scene or whatever and like my mom and my sister were like that tie is the ugliest thing there's no way he would like that and i was like come on he loves christmas he loves the nativity story i want to get him this tie so they let they let me buy the tie we went home and then literally the next day my dad came home and was like, look at this cool tie I bought. And he showed that he had bought the exact same tie. And I was devastated. <laughs> that is that is truly the gift of the Magi for a new generation. Exactly. Exactly. Now, qu- was so question. Sad. Question. Was that tie viral marketing for the Catherine Hardwick movie, The Nativity Story? And was your father a fan of the, the Catherine Hardwick movie, The Nativity Story? This would have been around that time. This was like 2009, 2010. I remember. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a few years. 2006 is when the Nativity Story comes out. So Okay, yeah. I remember my parents going, or my mom and my sister going to see it, and I wasn't allowed to because it was scary. <laughs> I, I mean, was, yeah, you I can't. Like, ex- yeah, you can't it's expose the Nativity you. Story, mom. <laughs> like, you can't expose young children to young Oscar Isaac. That's just, they, their eyes won't take it. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. It's still insane that that is him in that movie. <laughs> um, I mean, it's insane that that movie exists, but we can move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, they get to the the store, and they want to, you know, they're, they're, they go straight to the, the Spaceman Swinton Isle, but before they do, they get distracted. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby get distracted by this giant, like, like space motion simulator thing like like something you wouldn't like too good for even like a main event situation like this is would only be in like a nasa training uh place you know like it is just this this huge machine with with a with a uh panoramic you know hd screen that makes you feel like you're actually in outer space and Velma, who you know dragged her friends to this to this mall, is not okay with them taking this time to have some fun for themselves. She unplugs the machine whilst they are lifted up in the air and leaves them dangling. Do they dangle or do they fall down? I forget because they obviously- dangle. I don't think we see them fall, but in my okay, okay, because I yeah yeah because if they. It- Okay, because if they fell, then it's like the implication that this thing doesn't even have seatbelts. And then it's like, maybe Velma is right, other than to unplug it mid-flight, which is a total narc move. It sucks. Well, it's a it's a mean thing to do for them, but it's also, you know, like, that's not your property, Velma. You don't know if that's going to mess it up for the whole day or whatever, you know? like Yeah, yeah, don't. Come on. That's, I, I hate to say this about Velma, who we do stand, but that's a total Karen move. I agree. I agree. You know, like if you bring all your friends to the mall because you want to get one specific thing, you can be like, hey, Daphne or Fred or both of you come with me so we can do this. And these two, our friends, can stay and have some fun for a while. And then we'll meet back up at the food court, right? That's what you're supposed to do, Felma. It's not all about you and your cousin and Spaceman Swinton. Yes, but it turns out that. All hands are needed on deck with Spaceman Swinton. Anyway, yes. so, so maybe she was in the right accidentally. 
Yeah, to be fair, you know, if they had gotten there a couple of seconds sooner, they may have been able to get one because uh, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think so because they'd still be say, they'd just say that oh, these are earmarked. We can't, we can't yeah, sell you yeah. these. But the, but the, the, the toys are being uh, boxed up by the owner of the toy store, Mister Bottom Check. Yes, who I thought was Alan Thick until I looked it up at the end and realized it was John O'Hurley. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you know. Two, like, yeah, yeah, basically. Like, who can tell the difference? One of them's dead. That one also gave birth to the Blurred Lines guy. Who cares? The other guy was on Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, John, Hur- John O'Hurley, he's got a good voice. He brings yeah. a lot of, uh, brings authenticity to Mr. Bottom Check here. Um, yeah, he's just like, oh, you kids, I'm not going to sell you this toy. Like, you know, he has a good like, baritone that sells you on, like, they're not going to get this toy from this guy. Exactly. Also, that this guy seems like a stuffed shirt asshole, almost. Um, oh, no. He does tell them that the toy came to life last night, which is like, uh, you know. Maybe keep that information to yourself, but I mean, people are yeah, people are oddly willing to give up this information to random teenagers when that would seem to be like that would be a full crisis. That would just be like existential terror, like we said, just like oh my god, what is going on? Well, also because you know we meet we in this scene we also meet another potential suspect, which is uh, Sandy something or other, some you know. And to use a word that you used that you've reclaimed, a Karen, um, she shows up she, uh, and asserts that she is the, uh, she is a leader of the, the, the pout organization, the please oust unsafe toys organization. Which, I mean, um, yeah, that's a, I just think that if your acronym is going to be pout, I mean, I get, that feels like, the the actual words feel crowbarred into the acronym itself. Yeah, yeah. Just Nobody like, uses the word oust ever. <laughs> like, come no. on. Also, um, please? Like, please. <laughs> like, just like, ju- just say, just say out. Oust unsafe toys. That's, that's yeah. my recommendation to Sandy, wh- whatever her name is. Yeah, um, but, you know, maybe she's onto something, because these toys are definitely unsafe. Yes. No, it, it, no, she is absolutely in the right in this situation. I just think her acronym naming abilities are for shit. So I will still, will still give her a little bit of grief for that. But she is right. Children should not have toys that will potentially kill them. Yep. That's, like, they made God knows how many Chucky movies just about that. Exactly. Exactly. It's a bad idea. Um, you know, they, they, but the, the, you know, Velma still wants this toy and the mystery gang are all about, you know, solving, solving crimes. So they offer their assistances to Mr. Bottom Chick and he, you know, he gives them full reign to go talk to the security guard and look at all of the security cameras and, uh, and, and, uh, like details and all these things that again, as you say, He's very willing to just offer up full access to these children. Yes, these people, like, he does not believe that these people will go to the media with this, which will almost certainly lose him his job. Yes, Maybe, yes. like, yeah, 
maybe get him canceled. I'm gonna be this 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 episode is about cancel culture going too far. For sure, for sure. Um, they do go to talk to the uh, the the guy, <laughs> the, the security, the, the secu- yes, Officer Claphammer. Who is, I, yeah, the, the names in this episode are off the chain. Like, they're really all over the place. Yeah, spa- like Spaceman Swinton is like a Thomas Pynchon character. <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister Mister Bottom Check is just the laziest. Like you know that this guy's about the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, don't. Yeah. And yeah, now Mister Claphammer, um, who is uh, being voiced by somebody doing a Don Knotts impression. Um, I, well, it's well, if I'm yes not and no. Well, I thought at first that this might be Steve Zahn, which is obviously foolish of me. But <laughs> why would Steve Zahn take time out of his day to do Scooby Doo? Where are you? Then I looked at the credits and I found out that this is none other than former kid in the hall, Kevin McDonald. Yes, yes, yes. A, a, a classic voice artist and and you know frequent guest guest spot on like you know sitcoms and things like that kevin mcdonald uh best part of the motion picture sky high kevin mcdonald um so i thought you were going to say best part of the movie epic movie kevin mcdonald which i don't like that as well (laughs) i mean crispin glover's also an epic movie as like Uh, willy wonka uh, so i imagine that's actually the best part of epic movie but no, maybe Kevin McDonald as Harry Potter is also good. That sounds pretty good, not going to lie to you. As a, yeah, that the bit really is that good. the Harry Potter characters have gotten so old that they're now played by middle-aged people. Again. This, this was in 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not that he is... Ex- he, he's, it's, he's, he's not even really doing a Don Knotts thing, but they have modeled the character to look like Don Knotts. And Kevin McDonald already has a a Knotts esque um, intonation to the way he he speaks. I mean, that... yes, he has. Yeah, he's inherently nervous seeming. So yes, yes. already, like you're pointing in one direction if you get Kevin McDonald to play a character in your show. Yeah, and around this time, they were very much um, for some reason they were nostalgic specifically for Don Knotts being on uh the new Scooby-Doo movies like there is a like he there's a Don Knotts figurehead in uh one of the video games that came out around this time this is not the only character that is modeled after him around this time like it's 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 interesting I guess but it's a little just kind of out of nowhere especially if you're going to get someone with as distinct a voice as Kevin McDonald, you know. Um, but uh, he, um, he, you know, shows them these security cameras and tells them that if they want to stick around for the night, they will have to stay the entire night locked inside the mall because the doors are on a timed lock system and cannot be opened until the morning. And they're fine with that. Yeah, yeah, it's no, no plans. I mean, yeah, if they're already being taken to the mall so that Velma can buy one item that would take like two minutes, you know, they might as well. They got nothing else going on. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Once, they, once they figure out a mystery, they're just like, yeah, we're just doing nothing but this. Sure. 
apparently Officer Clapham is really bad at his job because he doesn't try to get anybody out of the, the mall before it closes. It's literally just like, you're here, you're stuck here, because we find out that yet another person is locked in the mall with them, and that is maybe the worst name of the episode, <laughs> Harry Knows. Yeah, I, I was really struck by that name. Like, yeah. yeah. Also, Harry Knows I did- is a... Uh, a doesn't have a hairy nose, first of all, which is interesting. Doesn't even I mean, appear to be all of that poorly groomed. <laughs> no, no, but it's just that I. Why is he called hairy nose? Does he knows but... about toys. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's like his. That's his bit. Is that he's a he's a toy collector, and Daphne shames him for wanting to purchase a uh, a. A doll. He wants to buy the new Annabelle action yeah. doll. I'm gonna be honest. A little gender binary of Daphne, who I otherwise do love and will have nice things to say about, but yes. you know, a little problematic. Yeah. However, she might have been onto something because uh, his his next line is pretty creepy, where he explains why he wants it. He's like, "It's it stands 17 inches tall and it's fully articulate." Okay, I mean, look, he is almost certainly gonna fuck the doll. I mean, we can, I mean, we can, we can shame that if we want to, or we can be an accepting group of people. You're right. I mean, yeah, we can shame him for different reasons, because he is eminently shameable, based on the evidence presented in this episode. Also, I did not take it as that he was locked in. I took it as that, like, he's one of those people who, like, stays in the mall at, until... Yeah, no, like, you know, he, he willingly chose to be here, but, you know, you would think that the security guard of the mall would be like, okay, we're closing, get out. <laughs> you know? Yes, that, that, yeah, that's fair. But like you, uh, could, I, you could pitch your little your tent in your sleeping bag on the concrete outside and wait for the... Uh, the um, wait for the store to open to buy your your Annabelle action doll or whatever. But, uh, you know, like, we had a we had a break-in last night. We don't need more people. No. We got it. We got a dead janitor. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, maybe maybe stay clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, you know, he gets his chance to meet Annabelle the action doll much earlier than he thinks because suddenly a swarm of them attack. Uh, these these classic, you know, Barbie-looking dolls attack them. And, uh, and you know, the gang r- runs away and climbs on an elevator. And okay. this is where things take a turn for the worse. <laughs> yes, this is what I was referring to earlier, where these dolls, like, first of all, they're just, like, swarming around this elevator. Yes, and then yes. they find their way into the inner workings. They get like tools from the tool place in the mall. <laughs> yeah, like a and they, or something. Yeah, yeah, and then they they try to like when the elevator goes up, they try to like cut the wires so that the elevator will crash and more than presumably kill everybody on board. Yes, yes. elevator crashes famously. Bad for the human body. Yes. Or the dog body. And the dog body. <laughs> but yeah, like, they've got these giant bolt cutters, like, the size of, like, five dolls it takes to, to operate one. And they're just yeah. they, they, they through these things. You could say that they fetch the bolt cutters. They, yes. Yes. You're right. Um, 
Daphne does not seem very concerned about this, though. She, you know, sees oh, them she... through her compact mirror, and she's like, well, I got some bad news for you guys. No, her line is, do you want to hear the bad news or the really bad news? Which is like, Daphne, yeah. come on. Yeah. But also, she, also, she says like something like, oh, compacts, you know, what aren't they good for? You know, because, yeah. you know, they help your makeup and they help you see who's going to murder you. <laughs> Versatile. Yeah, she's got a point. Um, yeah, we stand. We stand. Yeah, they do, the the dolls do successfully clip through all three wires, so they are about to plummet before um, our hero Scooby Doo uh, cartoonishly throws out all his legs. You know, Kimbo like splays them out and and stops the the elevator from from falling. Uh, yeah, it. It's yeah, it's. I don't even know what to say. Like, yeah, it, I mean, obviously not possible, but like, you know, it's a cartoon. It just is weird that they have this moment immediately after, uh, as a way to deflate mortal uh, danger. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, they've written themselves into a corner where they've, like, you know, people can, these kids can be killed, almost killed in, like, fun ways. Yes and, yes. and dying in an elevator crash is not fun. You, your body is just jello on the walls. So, yeah. you know, the writers... Like, I've seen, you know, I've seen um, Chopping Mall, which is a horror movie about kids stuck in a mall while robots try to kill them, right? Um, it is... It, and the... That not, none of the genuine murder that happens in that movie is as uh, as real life threatening as as Barbie yes, dolls cutting a, an elevator. <laughs> be, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's just the Barbie dolls that's elevated because no pun intended because right. people die in elevator accidents all the time. It's not yeah. like later when like people don't die from army men attempting to shoot them with miniature projectiles. Like, you know, even Chucky wouldn't do this. He sticks to knives, you know? Yeah, like, yeah I, I'm thinking about this. I, I, I think that there would be, they'd make, try to make a Chucky reference, but maybe that's just a little too adult for their audience, so they stick with the yeah. Toy Story homages. Yeah. Um, they are not very phased by uh, narrowly avoiding death in this moment. Um, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, we should also note that Scooby is lured out of the elevator, like because obviously he is the only thing holding the elevator up. Yes, yes. So yes. they need to they work out their way. best friend to die. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is the episode where Scooby Doo dies yeah. horribly too, because it's just like all of his limbs <laughs> are outside the elevator. But yes, uh, they 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 figure out the way to get him out of the elevator is to lure him out with Scooby Snacks and hope that he comes out fast enough that he misses the elevator crashing. Yes, yes. Which he does, so it works out. Um, yeah. But, you know, we've, we've still got a mystery to solve. We've found uh, Velma finds her first clue here, which is that she noticed a, a loud booming noise whilst the toys were chasing them that is not con uh, consistent with the weight of these toys, so it has to be something else. Um, and Fred says, well, I know where we can find some more clues. 
And then they just like go back to the security office and start digging around. <laughs> like again, full access to this mall. It's insane. Um, yeah. They find a they find the schematics of the mall, and Velma finds out that this mall was built on the site of the old county art museum. I really thought it was gonna be that it was built on an Indian burial ground when she brought up yeah. that, but yeah. Yeah, I guess it's 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 2003. You know, they didn't do burial grounds by now. They were, they were beyond that. They just yeah. were, you know, still dealing with uh, with uh, gender binary uh, uh, roles when it comes to what sort of toys kids can have. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, but uh, yeah. So the reason why this old community art museum was was torn down, Daphne says, is because all of the art was stolen and never found. <laughs> I mean, if there's a reason to shut down an art museum, it's true. No, no art being available is one of them. You it's just true. wonder. You just wonder. Was this like a gradual thing? Was it just like one painting went missing, then two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah was it just overnight they just cleaned out the paintings which would yeah you come in you open like you know you, you you open the doors in the morning everything is gone you're like well guess we gotta tear this place down not even like try to like i don't even think it would be that hard no spoilers to find out who the culprit for this was they could well, have yeah, just especially because we find out this next clue which is that officer clapham,er uh worked security for both the museum and this mall which is like really you're gonna rehire that guy <laughs> yeah the guy who who basically just even at his best was so stupid that he let an entire goddamn art museum get cleaned out yeah what is this guy doing is he high is he like does he just not care but I mean, yeah, yeah this it's is a baffling decision. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But you know, Mister Bottom checks always checking the bottom line. Maybe he could afford to pay him him less by bringing him in. I guess. I mean, is is he the security guard for just the toy store or for the mall in general? For the Mr. mall Bottom... in general, he appears to be the only security for this entire mall. They uh, have one so... security guard and one janitor. Well, formerly one janitor. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Be right back to what's new, Scooby-Doo. That is the halfway point of our episode here, so it's time for a fun little quiz. This is a recurring segment called Scooby or Not Scooby, um, but this time it's going to be a little bit of a twist on the on the situation here. So usually the way it works is that um, I collect some titles that are either from a Scooby-Doo episode or from something else. So like. Like I like with Jesse, I did Scooby Doo or Goosebumps, right? Um, but this week, I thought it would be fun because we're we're doing a toy centric episode here to get a list of of names, and you have to tell me whether or not this name is a uh, a Scooby Doo villain or a GI Joe. Mm. Okay, I I know you have. Very limited uh, experience with both, so this will be fun. Yes, yes, you've you've picked on <laughs> my one area of trans womanhood, not not <laughs> in unfamiliarity with GI Joe. 
Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm a, you know, a, a cis male, and I never had a G.I. Joe. So uh, I would do just as poorly at this as you may be about to. We'll see. Um, number one, Iceman. G.I. Joe. That's a Scooby-Doo monster. I had to double check because it it sounds so much like a GI Joe that it might. Have been I I, but, yeah. I yeah I I was so confident. Wow, off to a great start. <laughs> Mantis. GI Joe. I I assume that has to be a trick because it's animal based and Scooby Doo is so many animal villains. Well, one of those is a mantis. It's a giant oh, mantis. God, fucking damn it! I Sar thought I had you. Sergeant Slaughter. Now, this literally has to be Scooby-Doo. Oh, I'm sorry. That is a G.I. Joe. God damn it. I thought it was so easy. Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. That has to be G.I. Joe. That's a G.I. Joe. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm on the board. One on the board. Good work. Phantom Racer. Scooby-Doo. Yes, yes. Very good, very good. Okay, on a, on a roll, on a roll. Robo-Joe. G.I. Joe? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're not trying to trick me here. You're just, you're just playing it straight. I'm just reading the names. That's all I'm doing. Okay. Major Blood. You mean G.I. Joe? It's a G.I. Joe. Yes, yes. Okay, all right, okay. Code finger. Code finger? Code finger. One, all one word. Uh, Scooby-Doo? Yes, yes. Good work, good work. Obliteratrix. I mean, that has to be G.I. Joe. That's a Scooby-Doo villain, I'm sorry, I'm afraid. Yeah. Why are we threatening these teenagers with obliteration? Jesus. This first, they're dying in elevators. Now, just they're threatening to just to completely annihilate them. <laughs> this show's fucked up. I don't know why you're doing a podcast about it. Caveman. It has to be Scooby-Doo. Yes, yes. That's a classic. There's a classic Caveman episode. Dusty. 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 Scooby-Doo. That's G.I. Joe. We got I two more. It, I assume it's like a desert person? Yeah, probably. I would guess so. Maybe a, a, a cowboy-looking guy. I don't know. <laughs> San Fran Psycho. That sounds like a Scooby-Doo-ass pun. Yeah, that's a Scooby-Doo villain. Yeah. Um... Last one, are you ready? Yes. Ice Cream Soldier. Oh, this one has to be a trick. Fuck. I don't know what it is. It's a trick in which direction. Uh, I'm going to assume Scooby-Doo because I don't think G.I. Joe would have many ice cream-centric villains. It is a G.I. Joe. God damn it. Ah. <sighs> 
a lot of overlap in sensibilities between the G.I. Joe and Scooby-Doo writing rooms, apparently. You know, I mean, hey, what are you going to do? Ice Cream uh, Soldier sounds like one that I would want as a kid. That sounds awesome. Um, can you can you bring it up with what it is? Yeah, let me look up a picture of them. Ice cream soldier. Okay, now this does not make any sense. <laughs> um, I'm going to I mean, copy the picture. This, this does not make any sense, and you're the one hosting a, a podcast about Scooby-Doo, so it really I mean, doesn't make any sense. So what we're looking at here is a... Uh, I see no ice cream here. He has a smoke filtering oxygen regulator. So he's got like a sort of like a hazmat mask. He's a bright orange, like orangish red, and has a, for some reason, a flamethrower. Flamethrower would not be advantageous to ice cream. No, but like here, I'll post another one, like, and I'll I'll tweet out this picture. This is like, this is the, the, the box. It says ice cream soldier on it. I don't. I don't know. Well, first of all, the guy on the packaging looks cool. the The toy looks dumb as hell. The toy looks really bad. <laughs> the toy. The toy looks like knockoff Deadpool. Yeah, the colors I, do not work for this. Uh, this. This toy here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it comes with lots of guns, though. Um, so yeah, that that's supposed to make it looks like it's cowering in the corner without its guns. So maybe it's tougher. <laughs> Offer with its heavy machinery. <laughs> yeah, uh, for ages five and up, this is Ice Cream Soldier, a real American hero. Now back to back to the episode. Our gang gets uh, attacked by um, some real American heroes in fighter jets, um, which is a uh, which is very frightening, you know. They just come out yes. of the air ducts, and they, they have barricaded themselves in this room, and now they have to break their way out. Um, well, yes, they've barricaded themselves in a room with a bunch of, like, tables and, like, chairs, and also a bathtub that Scooby is, like, washing himself in when Shaggy... Good joke. Yeah. I, no, it's a good joke, I think, even if it doesn't make sense why Scooby would want to make it so much heavier than it already is for Shaggy. It's like kind of a dick move, but you know, you know, with the way they've treated him so far, I think Scooby Doo has the right to, you know, like yeah, chill yeah. out in the bath and not help for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now, this I I want to bring up something that really struck me about this episode. Is this the point when they split up and like have to do different teams? Yes. Yes. This is where they're going to split up again, and and Shaggy is. Yes, very upset about this because every time they split up, obviously Shaggy and Scooby are the ones who stumble across the monster, and Fred, Daphne, and Velma, you know, get off scot free. So, yeah, so Shaggy, so they pick teams. I thought the joke would be that they pick teams that still end up with Shaggy and Scooby and Fred and Daphne and Velma together, but no, they actually pick different teams. Yes. Which is that Daphne and Velma get Scooby. And Fred and Shaggy are together, and the joke is that they have nothing in common, and they just like. It's a little mean. Fred. Yeah, Fred's like, "Hey, you like sports?" And Shaggy's like, "No, I don't like sports, man. I just want to <laughs> eat a sandwich, man." 
So it's yeah, like, it, it kind of made me sad a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like these, these guys are friends, though. <laughs> yeah, they have that little in common, but still have worked together this long. It's just yeah. it's it's bizarre. But Scooby has no trouble with Daphne and Velma. No, of course not. I mean, is this insinuating that women and dogs are the same? No, what I think this is, I think this is, um, I think this is a Fred problem. To be honest with you, no, no, no. It is, it is absolutely as established in this episode a Fred problem. He just does not, he cannot change his line of thinking to fit Shaggy, someone who he's known for presumably years. Like, like it's one thing, like. Okay, so Shaggy did not watch the game last night, right? Okay, that's one thing you can't talk about. Uh, Fred, you have eaten food before. <laughs> <laughs> you can discuss food. You or can discuss. Yeah. You can discuss you can di- any of the adventures you've been on before, or the mystery that you are currently trying to solve. Is it just like yeah? I think it's a little cruel how they like position these two different modes of masculinity. Fred's very traditional. Shaggy's a little more loosey goosey. It's just like these people cannot even like talk to each other. They literally, and at the end of their conversation, they say, let's go back to the way it is, man. And they agree. So to reset the status quo for whatever the next episode is, even though Shaggy does have a point that he and Scooby always get screwed in these situations. Yeah. You know, looking, you know, as we're diving into this now, I've made a decision. I'm going to apply for a doctorate program so that I can write my doctoral thesis on uh, the way masculinity is portrayed in season one, episode 11 of What's New Scooby-Doo, Toy Scary Boo. I'm going to do it. Okay, not just, okay, I was thinking it was going to be the show as a whole, but just no, this no, episode. No, 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 no. There's just so much, so many, so much gold in these hills to mine for that paper that I mean, it, would be, yeah. it would be, uh, it, it would be foolish to expand beyond this, this, uh, this singular episode, I think. I mean, yes, it is an episode both with boy and girl toys uniting exactly. to kill people. Exactly. Yeah. But in in speaking of this is the so we get to the soldier toys chasing. Well, 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 first, um, while we are investigating, um, with you know, speaking of the uh, the uh, the way this the show is portrayed, men so far, we we reunite with Harry Nose, who has a pink van called the. Yes, toy yes. truck or something like that. <laughs> it, it literally looks like a reskinned mystery machine. Yes, 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 yes. Um, he has invented. He's also he's he's announced that he's also a toy maker and that he has invented this new doll called Crying Connie, which does exactly that. It cries and is obnoxious. Um, yeah, but in the back of his van, we also see that it is lined with 2003 era. Uh, computer panels, you know, just like your classic, like, blinking lights that have been used to represent computers since, like, the 60s Batman cartoon or whatever. (laughs) And, um, and he announces that he is also working on robotic fire ants. Yeah, that, that throwaway line is truly frightening. It's, like, at that point, it is certain that if, even if Harry knows is not the bad guy of this episode. He will kill people. 
he is a serial he may not be killer the bad enemy. guy but he is a bad guy yeah he is just that is just that is some super villain shit yeah, i don't yeah. i don't see yeah um on the but other also, all, before we continue is yeah. is the fi- it being fire ants an homage to fellow cartoon network show space ghost coast to coast which famously had an episode where space ghost chased a fire ant around for like 20 minutes i don't think i think that this is contemporary with space ghost but this episode yeah. probably came up before that one did i would guess no i no i think that the Fire Ant episode was like nine. I think Space Ghost is more so like late nineties, and it it, it airs uh, into early two thousands. But I think by the time of this episode, Space Ghost is kind of on its way out. Space Ghost Fire Ant episode is nineteen ninety nine. You are correct. You are yes. correct. Great episode of television that you should watch. As oh, well no, as Brian's on that one. I yeah, that yeah, it's it's great. It's it's a great show. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure it is. Uh, I just never, never delved in. Um, if you if you like the Eric Andre show, it's basically that, but with Hanna Barbera characters. Yes, yes. Um, I have seen the Shaggy episode of. Um, is was he on that one or was he on Harvey Birdman? I could always. I get think it was Har- I, it was yes. Harvey Birdman because Space Ghost interviews like actual celebrities. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, um back. On the other side of the mall, Fred and Shaggy stumble across our our favorite Karen, uh, Sandy, who is tied up in in a back room and claims that she was uh, assaulted by toys and tied up. um, With jump rope. Yes, exactly. But they discover that she has a sack of batteries and that she is trying to, to sabotage the toy store by stealing all the batteries. So they can't put them in the toys, even though batteries are never included in toys. Also, Shaggy has a line where he's like, Hey, man, we got a worldwide world of batteries next door. Wait, which I, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand in relation to what she was doing. She was removing batteries. She was not, like, stealing, removing batteries specifically from toys, not stealing the world supply of batteries. You are incorrect, I'm afraid. She is not stealing them from the toys. She is stealing the the store's supply of batteries. Oh. What? It doesn't make any this, sense. You were right. This, it would make yeah. more sense for it to be her stealing them from the toys. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've noticed that I, I took notice like that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it makes no sense on any level, really. Yeah, yeah. And they brush past it quickly because of that, probably. Probably. Um, but yes, now this is where they are attacked by the the army, the army men, the G.I. Joes in their tanks yeah. and their army boats um this is where the musical montage comes in yes yes did you like the song did you think it was cute i mean as far as i could tell it's basically the same thing as the theme song it's like scooby doo you gotta get a clue yeah it's Scooby-Doo. a nice little it's a nice little song about how scooby doo if you help us solve the mystery we'll give you some food <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's <laughs> It's yeah, it's just that, and most of the montage is not centered around Scooby Doo, like needing to solve a mystery. They just need to outrun evil toys. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. Also, there's a moment where 
Afni is being chased by the men, sees a ad in a mall window, I think for lingerie, maybe for beach I think it was balls. a swimsuit, but yeah, a swimsuit. Yeah, it was a no. It was no. I think it was a swimsuit or either a swimsuit or a beach ball. And Would she, be a little racy for a, for it to be lingerie. Yes, and she's like, oh, and then Velma yanks her along. Uh, yet another. Uh, essential note of gender essentialism in this episode you're correct, you're correct. so um, you know w- women do be shopping they do they do be even when they're being chased by uh, by gi joes with real guns <laughs> i mean um, yeah look, um, I, I, but, but for some reason fred decides that the uh, the the move is to for all of them to stand in a fountain together so that the okay, well see see that made sense see that made sense at first glance, because I thought that he knew that obviously toys, battery operated or whatever operated toys plus water, you know, they disintegrate. Or like they then, must be robots, right? Yeah, but then when one of the toys goes in the water and like short circuits, he's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. They get yeah. when they get wet, they short circuit, and it's like, what? What the fuck was your original plan? Just to die in a fountain? Yeah, yeah. I want us all to die together in in the fountain. Speaking of Toy Story, exactly. uh, an homage to the end of Toy Story three, seven years ahead of Toy Story yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's but you know Daphne sees this. She takes charge, rips a fire hose off the wall, and vanquishes these these action men and um now we gotta you know we're still locked in the in the thing so we gotta do some more investigating (laughs) a kind of kind of an anti-climax after that that should i mean that's the second ad break yeah yeah Um, there's still like six minutes left yeah because uh velma goes ahead and dissects the toy and as we have suspected there's a robot exoskeleton inside of it, which means that he could, you know, Harry knows is there for some reason. He notices this and he's like, oh, you could put that in any toy and be able to control it. <laughs> and it's like, OK, sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, they uh, they now have to investigate the the dull noise that they've been hearing this whole time and. Uh, because Velma noticed a ripple in the water, she suspects that it is coming from the basement of the mall. So they uh, they go and investigate, and they find a massive cement mixer, uh, or not mixer, uh, like Fred describes it as a cement breaker. It's like a giant drill, like jackhammer thing that's just laying into the into the floor of the basement. Yeah, and then they like decide, hey, we'll get back to this later, but we would solve the mystery first. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, like, uh, you know. I mean, yeah, to be honest, I, I don't find any of the business with the cement breaker particularly interesting relative to, like, you know, the toys going amok. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's like, like, just like, you know, fine. It's like, helps you get the mystery, but it's not very interesting relative to the rest of the episode. And whenever it's not happening, even when it is happening, I forget about it. <laughs> like when, when, when the ripple in the water, I had already forgotten at that point about like the thing, the dull noise. So I was like, what, what's that? Like, are they getting out a big toy? Is there going to be like a <laughs> giant <laughs> toy that's going to kill them? 
That would be dope. That would be really cool. <laughs> that would be yeah. They should have done that. Um. So they they have devised this plan to to sniff out the real culprit by pretending to have inv- that that Velma has suddenly invented this this special collar that sh- that Scooby Doo can wear that will allow him to sniff out radio waves. Um, but I, I don't even understand how that would work, even if it was a real thing. Yes. Because yes. why would that? Why would the evildoer be doing the radio waves while they're being questioned? And how do? You, why would you? Well, like it makes no sense. Oh, it's. I mean, obviously, some of that is intentional, but some of that is not. Yeah, it is truly baffling. Um, why? Why anyone would believe this story? But uh, you know, he goes and he starts. Sniffing around their four suspects, and who confesses but Harry knows the toy robotics expert. It's always the person you most expect. Yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, it, tell, it, he tells you that, uh, that um, he did this because he's you know, the greatest toy guy in the world, and that he wants to make a name for himself, and and uh, he was testing out his robot parts on these toys, and he's arrested and carted away. Case closed, mystery solved. Let's go home, right? Yeah, getting the um, mystery machine. But... Back in the mystery machine, you know, Shaggy, he's gone all night without eating because he had to be teamed up with stupid, you know, muscle man Fred okay, who doesn't but, eat. Okay. okay, but I swear to God, they at one point when they're running, they go to a food court. Like they have yeah, like I a mean, stack. They, do they eat? Do they eat the food? Do we? I don't remember them doing so. But even still, you know, he's got a fast metabolism. He needs to. He needs to be eating like every two hours at least. At least. Yeah. Um. But but you know, thank God he's got this special stash in the bottom of the mystery machine. Oh, he he's got a secret stash already. He's yeah, going yeah, to Kevin yeah. Smith's place, if you know what I mean. Yep. 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 Uh, he's got this this trap door he has installed in the bottom of the mystery machine that has emergency snacks and in this moment velma realizes oh yeah i forgot about the giant cement breaker in the basement uh, <laughs> harry knows to not do that <laughs> which is fun you know it's, it's yeah, yeah i mean good it's like been on the on the formula to have a fake out you know no, I, I enjoyed it. It's like, you know, like I said, I had already forgotten about the cement breaker, so it legitimately passed me by when I realized that was not part of the solution. So I was like, it's oh. the kind of thing that they can only do in this episode where there is not an unmasking, right? Like, you take yes, the head off of a vampire and there's a person beneath it, it's obvious who, who the vampire was, right? But this time they have to do, like, actual detective work. Unless it's like a Scooby Doo 2002 situation where it's a person in a mask and a dog in a person. Right. right. Which, you know, how many times can you go back to that? Well, yeah. Um, they return to the museum, and this time it actually is the person you most suspect. It's Officer Claphammer, who, of course, uh, was using the, the cement breaker to drill a hole into his stash of paintings. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand how the paintings got there in the first place. How he managed to bury them beneath cement. I mean, I mean, we can imagine. Do you know the plot of the movie Blue Streak? A movie I have only seen trailers of, but I do know the plot of. I do not know the plot. The, of the, the, movie Blue the, 
the plot of the movie Blue Streak is that Martin Lawrence is a jewel thief and he stashes his jewels in a building and gets arrested. And when he gets out of jail, he goes to find the place where he stashed the jewels and it has become a police station. That's a the fun bit. Is, and he has to like pretend to be a police officer so he can get the jewels out of the station. Maybe this is a Blue Streak-esque situation. Or like he's maybe he's pretending to be a security guard, faking it till yeah. he makes it and can get those paintings out. Yeah. Um you know, he runs away and for some reason, you know, like we don't have enough we don't have enough time to build a trap because he's you know currently running away. So uh Velma whips out her laptop and quickly hacks into the camera feed. <laughs> Like she says, she's like hitting some buttons on her keyboard, and she's like, "I just gotta find the right frequency." There we go. Yeah, it's it's some real I'm in core. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, but you know, she bypasses the mainframe, finds finds the feed. We we you know we apprehend him before he escapes, and Harry is allowed to go free. He admits that he just did this because he wanted. He admitted to the uh, the crime he did not commit simply because he wanted to gain notoriety as the greatest toy maker of all time. Um, which so, you know, so, I would yeah. suggest to him, forget the stolen valor. Why don't you try making the greatest toy of all time? I mean, yes. I mean, this is a, I think a rare Scooby-Doo episode where two people come out, two people come out of it. One, the villain, the other, not looking pretty bad. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you obviously like he didn't do it but he still seems like kind of an asshole who just yep. like wants to trade off other people's in this case evil work so kind of a leech yeah and yep. yeah no no good to Her mr harry knows i will not buy his his crying toy <laughs> i will buy the fire ants though fire yeah ants i will buy, i will buy the fire ants and use them to terrify my enemies <laughs> um right before, as as a thank you for Saving his business, um, Mr. Bottomcheck gives Velma a Spaceman Swinton for her cousin. Now, I mean, they literally saved the entire business and theoretically the entire mall, right? Yes. He could, he could shell out something a little more than, than you know, a what was probably at most a $15 doll in 2003. I mean, I mean, to be fair, we don't see it. I can imagine Velma being the person like, oh, we don't want, like, you yeah. know, your thanks. We just want this, I just want this one little thing. You're right. You know, it's more, it's more than they good, usually get, good. which is nothing. <laughs> they, 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 you know, they're happy with the good of solving the mystery and helping people out. That's like yeah. their ethos. You're right. You're right. Um... But right before the episode ends, you know, driving away, we got Spaceman Swinton sitting up in the front seat, and those eyes, they glow yes. red right before the end of the right before the episode. He, ma cuts. he makes he makes like an evil grin. Yeah, it's like, yeah. why the hell did you not just check to see if the fucking programming was in the doll? Not to cinema sins this, but come on, you were just almost really, killed. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna mess up your. Your younger cousin, you know? No, Your that kid is dead. about to be in Child's Play 7. <laughs> like, <laughs> yikes. Um, but yeah. that's the episode. Yes. It is now time for yet another game in which you're going to have to guess 
whether something is one thing or another thing and prove if you are actually, you know, this is your chance to redeem yourself after the, uh, the Scooby or not Scooby incident. Um, I, I, I fucked up so bad. This game is called Jinkies or Stinkies. And the way this game works is each week I find short little stories or facts relating to a topic from the episode and the ones that are true are jinkies and the ones that I made up are stinkies. And naturally, the topic at hand this week are toys. So I've got six little stories about toys, okay? Okay. So here we go. The Rubik's Cube debuted in the United States to rapturous success. The newspapers were reporting that no one could solve the puzzle cube. Macy's decided to capitalize on the fad by holding an event at their iconic Herald Square location in New York City. For one day, if you came into the store and could solve a Rubik's Cube in front of the clerk who was in charge of the promotion, you would be handed $100 in cash. It turns out that the media was exaggerating the cube's difficulty for marketing purposes, and the store wound up losing $20,000 in one business day. Is that a chinky or a stinky? I mean, I believe that this is portrayed in the movie Pursuit of Happiness, so I'm going to say it's a jinky. It is a stinky. I gotcha. (laughs) So so Will Smith fucking lied to me. God damn it. Well, I mean, I I also went off of the Pursuit of Happiness movie. I do think that there was some exaggeration about how difficult the cube was, but I made up the Macy's thing. I mean, mean, that's that's good. That's good. You can you got a future with that. (laughs) Barbie has always been a target of scrutiny from feminist groups. It's not just a 21st century invention. In 1992, a coalition of feminists and concerned parents formed the Barbie Liberation Organization in response to Mattel's release of the newest Barbie doll, which had the voice line, Math is hard. The following Christmas, the Barbie Liberation Organization had members in cities all across the country purchased the newest Barbies and G.I. Joes. They took them home, switched out the voice chips, and stuck them back into the store so that kids who bought them found their new G.I. Joes saying, I love to shop, and their new Barbie doll saying, Eat lead, Cobra, and dead men tell no lies. Is that real, or did I make it up? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what to think after I was so convinced by the first one, but um, I'm going to say... That is a jinky. Yes, that is a true story. Uh, okay. Perhaps the the inspiration for Pout. Uh, yes, yes. The, the Sa- Sandy, whatever the fuck, was listening very closely to that. In- yeah. I will say, I thought uh, Math is Hard was just like a Simpsons joke, but the fact that that was actually a, like, a line recorded for a, a talking Barbie doll is absolutely insane. <laughs> and oh. like... They were correct to do this. No, that that's truly fucked up. <laughs> yeah. We 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 spent all this time joking about what Scooby Doo says about the gender binary. This is this is just yeah. reprehensible. If, yeah. If if Daphne wants to buy a, a bikini, she's allowed to do that. You're not allowed yeah, Daphne, to make a doll for for girls. Say, <laughs> you know. I mean, Daphne. Look, Daphne saves the day. I don't yeah. know what Barbie does other than complain about math and say, "Don't ask me. I'm just a girl." Yeah. In the late 1990s, the NSA banned Furbies under the ground that they were a threat to national security. 
They believed that the little guys could record and repeat anything they heard, even though Furbies could only speak 200 words, half of which were Furbish. It has to be stinky. Nope, that's true. That's a real oh, thing. You, oh my god. <laughs> it is insane, especially because now, you know, like every toy can connect to your Apple Watch or whatever and is listening in on everything you say and selling it to to Walmart and the Chinese and everything. <laughs> but like apparently in the nineties. I guess they thought that like that like members of like security organizations had kids that were buying Furbies and like somehow the Furbies would record, you know, conversations they shouldn't have. I have no idea. Yeah, the, the Furbies. But it is true. Yeah, the Furbies telling tales of, like, CIA coups in Ecuador or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, um, you know, Clinton liked to bring his Furby into the Oval Office every day. And, and, uh, it's is that a sex joke? Is that a sex joke? It wasn't intended to be, but it, it can be interpreted as one. That's up to you. <laughs> you say that Bill Clinton brings something with a mouth into his office in Jesus my mind. <laughs> uh, speaking of presidents, though, one of the first toy fads in the United States was the teddy bear. Named after President Teddy Roosevelt, the stuffed animal padded his legacy and gave him a cuddly reputation. When running for president, Richard Nixon decided he needed a stuffed animal of his own. Always obsessed with winning, Tricky Dick commissioned the Dicky Dog, a stuffed dog modeled after his own famous dog, Checkers, but with Nixon's iconic bushy eyebrows. The toy was not a success. This has to be stinky. There's yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. I, made okay. it up. I made it up, yeah. Okay. Made up tale. <laughs> You seen the? Have you seen the the compilation of J Jonathan Frakes saying it's false? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. The best. In Made February... up by a writer. Oh, he what? Really? What? No, no. I was just I was just quoting oh. one of my favorite lines. Sorry. Go ahead. In February 2021, Hasbro announced that Mr. Potato Head would be redesigned as simply the gender neutral. Potato Head. For whatever reason, this sparked outrage amongst the conservative right. In retaliation, Christian toy company Fund Salvation, who previously had been manufacturing Noah's Ark playsets and Moses action figures, unveiled an alternative to the gender-neutral spud named Mr. Tomato Face, a customizable tomato figurine that comes with six different mustache options in order to leave no doubt to his gender identity. It is Fun Salvation's most successful product to date. That sounds very plausible, even if it's not true. I'm going to say it's a jinky. I did make it up, but, you know, we're probably like a couple months away from that actually happening. You have given, you have, is that a real company? I it is ask. not. It is not. I made it up. Okay, you, you have unleashed a monster. Somebody is listening to this episode and they are going, they will create this. Okay, last one. Here we go. Are you ready? The CIA are some pretty kooky guys, huh? In 2005, the height of the Iraq War, they came up with what they thought was an ingenious way to discredit Osama bin Laden and minimize his reputation. They created 12-inch bin Laden action figures that would be distributed to children in Pakistan. But over time, the more the kids played with the doll, its face gradually wore off, revealing a demon face beneath 
with the intention of undermining his his uh, mystique. This plan did not work. Hmm. Again, sounds very plausible, especially as we noted with the, the climate of the Iraq War. Uh, obviously unconnected to Bin Laden, but part of that general stew. Uh, I'm going to say Jinky. Yes, you're correct. This is real. This did, did really that, happen. Why would it wear off? Like, how long did it take to wear off? I'm not sure. Um, also, the face that it had, like the, the quote-unquote demon face, is not very, uh, like... Compromising, it just has like some scary lines on his face. Like a picture, it's like nothing. <laughs> I mean, if it's if this takes like a year to wear Oops. off, I clicked on the shopping tab. None are for sale. Really, really, that puts a damper in my evening. Like, look at that. He looks like Darth Maul. That just makes him look cooler. What it the does fuck? make him look cooler. It is a it's a pretty cool doll. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah, uh, like demon face. I expect it to be like he's making like, like yeah, he's got yeah. his tongue out. No, this is this is baller. I wanna yeah. I I wanna have a, an Osama bin Laden toy now. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. None are for sale on Google Shopping. Okay. Well, then I gotta go eBay. <laughs> Um, but that's the end of Jinkies or Stinkies. It is now time to rank this episode on our official heavy metal tier list. So, there are five tiers, which I will explain to you now. Um, starting from the bottom is the Rut Row tier. That is the absolute worst episodes. Just despicable garbage. Could never see yourself watching them again. One up from that is the Scooby Dumb tier, which is for episodes that are stupid, we don't really enjoy them, but like we could feasibly be paid money to watch them again. Like they're not like the most offensive or the worst of the worst. The middle of the road tier is called the just another mystery tier. That's for exactly what it sounds like. Just another mystery, just another episode of Scooby-Doo. Doesn't do anything special, but it is not bad enough to, you know, say it it's bad. Um Groovy is the next tier up from that. That is for episodes we like a lot. We really have fun with, but they're just not good enough to make it into that perfect echelon, which is the highest tier, the Golden Scoob tier. Narrator, where are you thinking we put this one? I mean, obviously, I don't think it's a bottom tier episode because I assume bottom tier episodes are just like racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I was not as much as I joke about its portrayal of gender dynamics. I was not offended watching <laughs> Toy Scary Boo. That's good. Glad to hear so, that. Yeah, I, I had a pretty good time watching this. I'd say either uh, Just Another Mystery or uh, what's the one above that? Groovy? Uh, yeah, Groovy. Um, you know, mm. I'd say let's go with Groovy on this one because yeah, it tries to do yeah. something special you know like it tries to do something yeah. different yeah yeah it, it like within the episode like they note, like you know the previous dynamics of the group yeah. and like they try to switch that up they like you know it's an interesting experiment within like the relatively rigid scooby-doo formula yeah yeah so it's yeah it's it's doing more than just like 
getting the bare essentials of what you want from Scooby-Doo. So yeah, exactly. I, I, so Groovy, I think I agree with that. So that's, that's it for the episode. Um, thank you so much for joining me and doing this. Um, oh, it was a know, pleasure. I appreciate it. Taking time out of your evening to talk about an almost 20 year old episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> would you, do you have anything you would like to plug for our listeners, even though I'm sure they're all already following you on Twitter? I, yes, I was going to say, I figured that the audience, this podcast is probably already at, at least aware of my existence. So yeah, follow me on Twitter. If you don't already, it's at, El Soderbergo. I did not mention Steven Soderbergh once in this episode. I consider it. that made it almost to the end. Yeah, I I don't count this as a mention. I just I just I consider this a triumph. You're right. And yeah, so follow me there for like jokes mostly. <laughs> like watch say, uh, watch uh, Barry Levinson's Avalon, of course. Yeah, watch John Sales's City of Hope. Uh, I think go. a great. Yeah, the great movie for Scooby Doo fans. It's it got it's got people in it, and Scooby Doo does too. That's all you need. That's all, all you, need. you need. Don't is there a dog in it? I don't think so. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, if you are out there and you have not followed me yet on Twitter, please do so. If you feel so inclined, you could do so at the real You can follow the show at Heavy Metal Pod. If you liked what you heard this week and you want to hear more, you can subscribe to our RSS feed. You can leave a review on whatever you know podcast app you use. If you want, I would that would be great. If not, I don't. That's cool too. Just thank you so much for listening all the way through it. And thanks once again to William Taylor, aka the narrator, for joining me this week. And as always, have a great week and remember to stay groovy. Hehehehe <laughs>